0: question. How many of you guys have ever been to church camp? Anybody ever been to a church camp? Okay, a bunch of you guys have been to church camp. Church camp, maybe for some of you, been to like a church conference or a church congress or something like that. We used to go to church camps when I was a little kid. And the church camp, the goal of a church camp was to create an experience that would catalyze your faith, that would, that would fire you up, that would provide a spark for you to develop a deeper faith in Christ. The the purpose of the event was that you would have an experience that would send you back home and grow and deepen and develop in your faith. And the church camps that I grew up in were super intense. I mean, they were like, they were like, they were serious about getting you across the boundary line into loving Jesus and serving Jesus and growing in your faith. So they would pull out all the stops, man. They would bring the best speakers. I mean, they had the best music. They would, they would use whatever they had to use to make it happen, right? I mean, I mean, they would induce you with, with hiking and and, 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 and and canoeing and, you know, swimming and softball, and then they would get you down to camp meeting at night, and man, they would just tear it up. They would preach like nobody's business. And, you know, the goal was, again, catalyze you into this moment where you say, hey, I'm going to make a commitment to follow Jesus. The best church camp preacher I ever heard was a guy named Michael Friend. Everybody called him Pastor Mick or Brother Mick, and, and Pastor Michael Friend was like an evangelist, and he was one of these guys who, when he preached, man, you knew it, right? He, You did not fall asleep in Pastor Mick's sermons. Pastor Mick would get up there, and he would pour it out. I mean, he was one of these preachers that would sweat through his suit. I don't know if you've ever been to a church where the preacher sweats through his suit. He would sweat, he, you know, he had the handkerchief. He'd be wiping the sweat off and he's crying, hair going crazy. He wanted, he was passionate, man. He wanted you to experience Jesus. And what would happen is that at these events, people would come forward at the end of the service. People would come forward and say, okay, okay, okay. I give, I'm gonna commit my life to Jesus. I'm gonna do it. Here I go, yes, praise God. Count me in. I want to be in. And, and 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 this guy was the real deal. He was sincere. And he would come out and he would actually mingle with people after the service and like pray with them and talk to them. And his goal was to get you to become a follower of Jesus, right? But here was the problem. And this is the problem that broke his heart so many times is that after this initial inciting event, after you were on fire from God, from church camp, after you had this amazing experience, Right? this wonderful, powerful, all-consuming, beautiful, ecstatic religious experience, you would go home, a few days would pass, you'd get back into your routine, and that flame that had so passionately consumed you at church camp would begin to flicker and would begin to fade, and eventually you would just go out. And so the thing that broke Pastor Mick's heart is that so much of his life was committed to and devoted to Bringing people to Christ and then seeing them down the road and like, it just didn't stick, right? This happens not only in religious experiences or spiritual experiences, but it happens in all kinds of areas in our life. How many of you guys have ever joined a gym? Join the gym, and you say you know, something, you saw, you saw an, an article, you read something, you, somebody talked to you, you know, you, you know, you, 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 you watched Arnold Schwarzenegger in a movie or something, something, and you go, I'm gonna get in shape. I'm gonna go be like that guy, right? And so you got yourself a tracksuit, you got yourself the sneakers, you got the combination lock, you got the protein shakes. You know, you took a before picture because like in a few weeks you're going to put it on Facebook for as you're, and then you're going to do an after picture when you're totally ripped and you're going to be like, and so you just, you just dive in, you're on fire, right? You've had this experience, you decide I'm going to go for this, I'm going to get, I'm going to do this, right? And then what happens? A few weeks later, the fire starts to fade. It starts to fizzle, right? And it's like, huh, the tracksuit is now folded nicely in your drawer. You forgot the, the, the numbers on the combination lock. You deleted the selfie from your phone. You don't want anybody to see that, right? And you just kind of gradually move on. I read a statistic this week, 80% of people who join a gym stop working out within five weeks. I mean, five months, sorry, five weeks, but, but maybe, but five months, 80% are done. It's just, I mean, that's just the nature of it. We, we experience a rush, we experience a, a, a desire, right? We get on fire for something and we have the desire, we have the passion, but it just, over time, it fades out. This, this happens a lot with people who are on diets. Like they just, they just, they start a diet. And if you ever get stuck in a conversation with somebody who just started a diet, that's like the worst conversation that you can ever be in. Because they want to tell you, everything about their diet, like the science behind their diet. And they're like, you know, you know, they're like, actually, cavemen just ate seeds and leaves. And so if we eat seeds and leaves, you know, then we'll also be very fit and we'll live for 200 years, you know. And they're like, well, maybe we'll throw in a little bark, you know, and dirt for dessert, but then we're going to stick with the seeds and leaves. And, you know, they're telling you this. And if you've ever been in one of those conversations, you're just like waiting for the moment that you can get out and go to Steak and Shake and get a bacon double cheeseburger. You're just like, I just want this conversation to end, right? But we've all done this, right? You, you have this this flash of inspiration. I've got this desire. I want to do this. But then over time, you know, you're... You're, you're on your way to pick up some leaves, and, and then you see goody-goody, and your car just kind of goes over there, and, and then there's waffles and sausage and stuff, and then it all just breaks down, right? I mean, this happens in every area of our life, because over and over, we experience this phenomenon of having a desire, experiencing an experience, having a moment, wanting to genuinely change and be transformed in some way, and then it, it doesn't take. It doesn't continue. It doesn't follow through. So today we're launching a new series called After Easter. After Easter, and what we're going to explore is the phenomenon that happened after the very first Easter. What did the very first Christians do? What did the early believers do? Because what happened to them, as we learn historically, is that the flame did not go out after the experience. The fire did not diminish after the event. In fact, it exploded. Within just a few decades, hundreds of thousands of believers started to spread to every part of the planet, every country on the globe. Race barriers broke down. Cultural barriers broke down. Language barriers broke down. People crossed every imaginable kind of boundary that they would not cross otherwise, and this thing spread like wildfire. It was an explosion around the globe after the event. So what distinguishes them? What happened to them? What did they do To have this after Easter event that made them continue to flourish and continue to go and continue to grow that's different from what we sometimes experience, which is the excitement followed by a slow decline in our desire. What did they do differently? So today we're going to explore that a little bit. And then at the end, I'm going to give you some really basic practical steps that I want to invite you to take uh, that will allow you to sort of do the same thing that they did and will allow us as a congregation to experience the same thing that they experienced. So let me set this up for a minute. Jesus died, buried, resurrected. We, we celebrated that last week, right? Then he started to appear to his followers for 40 days. The scripture says he started to appear to them and he talked to them and interacted with them. And then he said, I'm going to leave you. I'm going to ascend into heaven. I'm going to, I'm going to cross through the boundary between heaven and earth and I'm going to ascend into heaven. I'm going to send my spirit, my Holy Spirit, to fall upon you and empower you, right? And and then you're going to go be my disciples. You're going to go be me on the earth. You're going to be my hands and feet. You're going to be my body, right? My body won't be here, but you will be my body on the earth. And so what happened is about 50 days after the resurrection, at a feast they called the Feast of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell upon a group of, you know, about 120 followers of Jesus. And the scripture says that the way, it's interesting the way they describe it because it says that it even looked kind of like tongues of fire on their head. So these guys were like literally on fire for God. You know, I mean, they were like on fire. They were having this experience. But after the experience, it didn't go away. The apostle Peter, right after this experience, goes out, he preaches the ultimate camp meeting sermon. I mean, it's just, he's out there and he's laying it down and he's really bringing it. 3,000 people come forward. 3,000 people become followers of Jesus that day, get baptized, and then this is what happened. This is what transformed the world. This is what changed them from the inside out. It says, they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. Now, this word devoted, it means continued steadfastly. It means persevered. It means focused intently. It means continued on, right? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, And a fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and a prayer. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, it says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Focus on the word today, they devoted. They devoted themselves to these things, these spiritual practices, to praying, to giving, to serving, to meeting together, to eating together, to loving, to worshiping. And here's the result. It says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. For them, the fire did not go out. The flame did not flicker. It grew into a wildfire that spread all around the world. Why? They devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to the spiritual practices that brought them life, that grew them from the inside out. Today, I want to title this series, Dig In. Dig In. Somebody say, Dig In. Dig In. In In the early 1970s, there was a guy named Derwin, a young kid, uh, and he lived in San Antonio, Texas, in a rough neighborhood. Uh, he lived with his grandma. His grandmother raised him. His uh, parents were not around. They had been in and out of jail. There had been, um, there had, you know, drug addiction and lots of issues in the family. And Derwin was just one of these guys who, who had experienced so much chaos in his life, so much violence in his neighborhood, so much just, just utter madness in his world. He actually developed a, a chronic stutter like, whenever there was pressure or whenever there was stress or whatever, you know, he couldn't speak. He would just freeze up. Um, but he had some athletic ability. And so he said, Here's what I'm going to do. He went to his grandma one day. He was 13 years old. And he said, my, I'm going to get out of here. And my ticket's going to be football. I'm going to get out of here. I'm gonna, I've got athletic ability, but I've, I'm going to just devote myself to football. I'm going to train. I'm going to work. I'm going to, you know, d- drill. I'm going I'm, to, everything I can do, I'm going to get myself prepped to make it out of here on, on football. And that's what he did. This young kid started drilling every day. When the coaches went home, he stayed on the field. When the lights went out, he stayed on the field. When the other friends went home, he stayed on the field. And he drilled. And he devoted himself every single day to this practice of football. Because for him, this was the way to transform his life from this teenage kid to a an NFL football player is what he wanted to become. And this was his ticket out, right? Today, as we explore this concept of what the, the early Christians did... It's a very simple principle. And I wanna submit to you today that if you apply this principle to your life, it will impact every single area of your life and it will transform every single area of your life. And And the principle is simple, it's just that we dig in. Because here's the simple truth and you can write this down. An experience produces desire, but devotion produces results, right? We have an experience, we have the desire, We want to do the thing that we want to do. We want to pursue God or whatever it is, but it's actually the devotion that produces the results. So when I was a kid, uh, my dad was a pastor, and we were in a church, and this church had started to grow. A lot of people started coming to this church. And we had this little tiny red brick church house, and it was, you know, it was great. But it got to the point where we couldn't get everybody in there. So they decided, all right, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna buy some property and we're gonna pitch in and we're gonna build a, a, a you know, large worship center to house everybody and so we can all come together. And so they got all this organized and they had a groundbreaking ceremony. I don't know if if anybody ever been to a groundbreaking ceremony, like when you're getting ready. to, Groundbreaking ceremony is like a ton of fanfare. It's a party. It's a celebration. It's awesome. We had a band out there. There were speakers. There were, you know, ribbons. There were balloons. I mean, it was just like this whole big event. And the part that I remember most, I was six years old, but the part that like caught my eye was that my dad had one of these. And 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 it was like this golden shovel. It was this commemorative, decorative shovel. And on the blade, the name of the church and the date and groundbreaking and da-da-da-da was on there. It was like this big event. And the whole event culminated with the my dad and then the other leaders of the church taking the shovel all together and going, phoom, putting it into the ground and picking out a clump of dirt and turning it over. And everybody's like, wow, you know, hooray, we just broke ground. You know, we're going to build this church. Desire was at an all-time high. Everybody was ecstatic. Everybody was interested. Everybody was excited about this church, right? But this golden shovel was not going to get the job done, right? It just wasn't going to get the job done. It was necessary, but it wasn't sufficient. So about a week later, a few of these babies rolled out onto the property, and this is what got the job done, right? These things were out there every day digging in, digging into the ground and building a foundation for what later would become a beautiful worship center, right? Right? For us as followers of Jesus, Easter Sunday is the groundbreaking moment in our life. It's when everything changes. It's when everything shatters. It's, when it's, it's a miracle, right? It's the thing where you go, that can't happen unless God intervenes, right? But if you want that miracle to be a part of your daily life, if you want to live out a resurrection life, if you want to experience the fullness and the richness and the depth and the joy of your salvation... You you don't, just experience, you don't just experience Easter Sunday and then go hang out. You dig in. The early followers of Jesus, they dug in. They started to worship together. They prayed together. They devoted themselves to this thing. They, they broke bread together. They ate together. They dug in. The Apostle Paul has this great analogy for it. I want to read it to you. And this is, this is how he explains it to another pastor who wants to grow in his faith, to a guy named Timothy. And he says this, Paul says to Timothy, he said, Timothy, I want you to train yourself to be godly. Train yourself to be godly. He says, physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. When you dig in and begin to train yourself in in your spiritual life, it begins to impact every other area of your life. Dig in, he says, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. what I love, you can't see this in the English, but what I love is this word, train, the word that he uses in the Greek is gumnazo, is the way it's pronounced in Greek. Does that look familiar to you, that, right? Gymnasium, right? Gym. Paul is saying, look, you want to grow in your faith. You want to develop into what God has made you to be. You want to really become the, the person that God wants you to be. Get into the spiritual gym, man. Devote yourself to it. Dig in every day, and that is where you will get the results. You'll experience the desire when you become become a follower of Jesus. You'll be empowered by his spirit. But then the next step, he says, is to dig in. We get, we tend to, I think, in every area of our life, after an experience, we tend to sort of get passive and sort of float on that experience, right? You you know, know, we'll have some great moment and then we'll sort of just feed off the off the joy of that for a little while. And, and, and the problem is that just diminishes, right? Um, there's, a, there's a guy named G.K. Chesterton, a writer that really influenced uh, C.S. Lewis. I love G.K. Chesterton. Great man of God, great writer, super funny, um, just great. Uh, and he has this quote, one of my favorite quotes. He says, "'Going to church no more makes you a Christian "'than standing in your garage makes you a car.'" He says, you know, you, you can't just be there and like, it'll happen, right? He says, you got to dig in, you got to, you got to drill down, you got to take out the shovel, you got to roll up the sleeves and and you got to devote yourself to this thing. You know, this in relationships, you know, if you're in a relationship or you were in a relationship or you want to be in a relationship, you know this, right? That, that, you know, there can be that spark. In fact, an experience, you know, sparks a curiosity, right? But it's devotion that creates intimacy, so you know this, you're, you're in a relationship, you meet somebody, there's the puppy love, right? There's that first moment, you like each other, there's a spark, it's great. But if you don't dig in, if you don't nourish and cultivate and devote yourself to that relationship, it's gonna fade. It will not sustain, it cannot sustain. It will fall apart. It's, it's not going to go where it needs to go. Rebecca and I have a friend and uh, she's, a great, great girl. And, uh, and Rebecca checks in with her every once in a while and, um, you know, ask her how things are going, but she's one of these, she's one of these girls that, or one of these people, you know, we, we all do this, but she's one of these people who, um, she, about every six months, she meets the one, you know what I mean? Like she meets somebody and she just like falls madly in love with this person. And you'll call her. This has been going on for a decade now. Okay. And you call her and every time it's so convincing that you believe her. We'll get off the phone and be off, you know, be on speaker. We'll be talking to her and get off the phone. And Rebecca and I will be like, you know what? This one? Yeah. I think this really is the one. Right. Right. Six months later, it's like, no, you know, that didn't work out. But I got to tell you, I met this other guy and he is amazing. Right. Right? Does anybody know anybody like that? Okay, yeah. <laughs> Some of you were a little too enthusiasm with, enthusiastic with your agreement. Um, yeah, it's, it's the, the problem is it's all fire. It's all flame. It's no dig, right? It's because if we don't develop that relationship, we don't cultivate that relationship, we don't get the intimacy. We get the curiosity. We get the desire. We get the joy. We get the fun for a moment. But we don't get the real thing, right? Here's how Jesus put it. And I love his words on this. In John chapter 15, he says this. He says, as the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now, he says, now this, remain in my love. Stay in it. Dig into it. Be a part of it. Don't just experience it. Dig in. He says, if you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and remain in his love, right? Here's, not, here's what he's not saying. He's not saying if you disobey me, I stop loving you. He's not saying that. He's saying that if you stay in my love, you're gonna experience the joy of my love. You're gonna experience the strength of my love. You're gonna experience the fulfillment of my love, the flourishing of my love in your life. You will remain in my love and you'll experience an ongoing growth in intimacy with me. We grow together only to the extent that we're devoted. Our intimacy only grows to the extent that we're devoted to the person with whom we want to be intimate. And that's what Jesus is saying. I want you to devote yourself to me. I want you to commit yourself to me deeply. This is what we do after Easter. We drill down, we dig in. And here's the beautiful thing, that not only do you, do you devote yourself, and when you devote yourself, it's not a matter of just drudgery, it's not Jesus is not saying, look, you're going to just have to muscle through this. You know, it's just going to be a dry, boring, bland experience for the rest of your life. So, you know, too bad that's what it is to follow me. It's it's kind of lame and kind of boring and you know, no. Here's what happens when you devote yourself to something, when you commit yourself to something. You've seen this. Devotion over time devo- develops into passion. Over time, Devotion turns into passion. You've seen people who, at the very beginning, they start running or they start, you know, exercising, and, you know, three years later, it's become a passion. It's become like you can't get them to stop running. Break their legs, they're going to run on their hands. I mean, they just love it. They're obsessed with it, they're possessed by the idea of it. I called Pastor Mickey Friend this week because I wanted to talk to him about this phenomenon. And I said, you know, you know, what is it like, you know, to, to, to feel that feeling of having these moments where you're leading an event and then, you know, you know that for so many people it, it sort of falls apart? He said, You know what? He said, The greatest joy for me over the last 12 years, he said, I love preaching camp meetings, I love doing conferences, I love the big event. And he said, But, but the greatest joy for me over the last 12 years, he said, every single morning for 12 years in a row, I've come out of my bedroom and I've walked into my sort of sitting room, he says, and I've got this chair and it's called the chair of prayer. He says, I come and I sit down in this prayer chair and I read the scripture and I pray and I dig into God's word. He said, he's a pastor now in Minnesota. He said, everybody in my church knows that that's what I'm doing at this time and I have an open door policy. So if they wanna come and pray, if they wanna come and read scripture together, if they wanna come. And so he said, people come all the time. They just come, I'll be in the prayer chair. He said, this is the greatest fulfillment of me for me is not the, not the flash, not the experience, not the rush, but the digging in, the drilling down, the making it happen one day at a time, the devotion. This is where the fire spreads. The apostle Paul was so devoted as a follower of Jesus, teaching, preaching, serving, giving of himself, leading others, that it it grew into a passion for him. He describes the passion in a letter to the Philippians. And this is the last scripture I wanna read you, but this this is what he says. He says, I count all things to be loss, to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He says, I am so devoted to this thing, it's become a passion for me, and everything else in my life, is, is seen as a loss. It's seen as diminished compared to this desire that I have to, to know Christ. Know Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. He said, I actually count them as rubbish. The other things that used to get in the way of me being devoted to Christ, to me, it's trash at this point as compared to my relationship with Christ. He says, it's rubbish so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him. He says, not that I've already obtained it, I'm not there yet. Not that I've already become perfect. He said, but I press on. I dig in. This is what I do. This is how I grow. I dig in. I press on, he says, so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Today, if you are experiencing that frustrating cycle of desire followed by disappointment, followed by desire, followed by disappointment, followed by desire, followed by disappointment, I want to invite you to dig in. I want to invite you to devote yourself wholly, completely to the things of Christ. To prayer, to scripture, to fellowship, to breaking bread, to praising, to serving, to giving, to worshiping, to becoming a part of a real body of believers and transforming your world through your devotion. The young man from San Antonio, Derwin, he ultimately did make it out. Of his neighborhood, he went on and was recruited uh, by Brigham Brigham Young University to play football, and he became a star safety at Brigham Young. Uh, He then was recruited by the Indiana Colts, played five years for them in the NFL, and then played for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, And while he was playing football, he experienced a desire in his heart to become a a pastor and a preacher. Um, But he still held this; he still had this stutter. He still had a chronic stutter. He couldn't under pressure, he couldn't speak. So he says to God, he says, You know, you want me to go and preach? You want me to and 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 he felt God speaking in his heart and basically saying, if you'll devote yourself to the things of God like you devoted yourself to football, I'll take care of the rest for you. I'll 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 expand your horizons if you'll just devote yourself to me. So Derwin Gray, Derwin Gray started going out and teaching and preaching and doing camp meetings. Now he's the pastor of one of the fastest growing churches in the entire United States called Transformation Church, of all things, right? And, and he's a, on the radio, 350,000 people listen to him every week. He writes books. He's a, you know he's, He has completely devoted himself to the things of, of God despite all the obstacles, despite all the challenges, and God has seen him through. And here's what he says. I love this quote that he, that he says. He says, being born again happens in an instant But learning to live as a child of God, he says, takes a lifetime. It's a matter of digging in. So here's my question for you as we close. What does your life look like if you take one step further, if you dig in a little deeper, if you stretch just a little further into the things of God? What does your life look like if you devote yourself, like the early Christians, to being a follower of Jesus, clearing out the clutter, clearing out the obstacles and saying, I want to take one step closer to him. I want to, after Easter, after the experience, I don't want the fire to die. I want it to grow. I want it to turn into a passion in my heart. I want it to take a hold of my life, and I want it to spread to everybody I know. What does it look like if you take one step closer to Christ in in your devotion? I want to give you, I told you I'd give you some practical steps. I'm going to give you five. Don't choose all five. Just choose one. I want to invite you just to choose one today and, and take a step closer to being devoted to Christ. The first one is this. Join a local church. Doesn't have to be this church, but as Pam said, I do think this is the best one, but I'm biased, but find a church community and dig in, dig in to a local church. Get involved in a local church. Find a body of believers, and guess what? They're not going to be perfect, especially after you show up, right? So, right, no, after we show up, it changes it. So dig in to a local church. Find a group of believers that you can start to worship with and serve with and love with and give with and train with and teach with. Dig in. Number two is dig into a small group or dig into a life group. Take it out of Sunday. It cannot be a Sunday experience only for you or else the fire will die. Listen to me, seriously, the flame will go out if your only spiritual experience every week is coming to church on Sunday. It's a great experience. It's my favorite experience. I love it. It's not enough. It will not help you, will not let you grow. It will not sustain your spiritual growth, right? So dig into a small group. We have an awesome small group. We pray, you know, there are 20 something small groups. Available to you. You can go on our website. Check them out. Uh, but this is what we do together. We pray together. We study the apostles' teachings together. We break bread together. Actually, we, we, break, we break donuts together often, you know. You know, we break Doritos together. Right, Jonathan? You know, it's like, here here you go. So we, we break bread together. We share in each other's lives. We care for each other. And we grow together. So I want to invite you to get involved in a life group. Right? Number three is dig into generosity. Dig into Generosity. Make a commitment to put your resources where your heart is or maybe where your heart needs to go, right? So Rebecca and I, many, many years ago when we were at a, uh, before we launched U City Family Church, we had a lot of bills, we had a lot of debt, we had a baby coming, but we decided, look, we're gonna make a commitment. We're gonna support this local congregation that we're a part of. We started tithing. Tithing is when you give 10% of your income to God through a local church. We started doing that I don't know how many years it's been, nine or 10 years ago. Uh, And that was transformative in our life. It changed the way we perceived money. It It changed what we felt was important to us. It allowed our church to flourish in ministry, the church that we were a part of that time, and it blessed us exponentially. If you have not participated in that, dig into that. Try it. And if you hate it, and if it doesn't bring you any joy or any blessing to be generous, then stop doing it. Because I guarantee you, That it will transform your life. It will change the shape of your heart and it will will allow you to grow and allow you to blossom. Uh, And again, whatever church you're a part of, if you're a part of a different church, tithe to that church or give to that church or set aside some portion of your income in a regular manner to support the work of the ministry and support your brothers and sisters in their spiritual needs. Okay? Number four is this serve, find a place to serve, dig in to serving. In an area of your strength, in an area of your giftedness, find a place to serve other people. There's nothing greater for you. There's no greater joy than serving somebody else in the things of God in an area of your strength. There's no greater joy in your life. We had a dream team party about two weeks ago. We had almost 200 dream team members, volunteers show up. It was awesome, right? We just celebrated because we love serving God's people. We love serving our guests. We love serving our members. It's transformative. It's a way for you to dig in. And number five is this. you've done all of the other things, dig into leadership. Take the lead in some area of your life. Maybe you need to launch a life group. Maybe you need to launch an outreach group. Maybe you need to launch a, um, a, a team. Get involved in leading a team. But in some way or other, dig in to this thing. Devote yourself to this thing. Be transformed by it. From the inside out, because here's what happens. Imagine with me just for a moment what happens in a spiritual community, what happens in a spiritual family when everybody does this together. What happens when we all do this together? Not just you, not just me, we all do it together. We actually don't really have to imagine it because it was written down 2,000 years ago. What happened? A group of people devoted themselves to prayer, to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to giving to one another to serving, to loving, to teaching, to breaking bread together, to worshiping together, to going and eating in each other's homes. And it says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It changed the world. It transformed the planet. I don't know why U City Family Church cannot be the epicenter for a globe-sweeping movement that's just like what happened in the early church. I don't know why St. Louis can't be the place that explodes with the gospel out of which the gospel spreads all around the world and invites people into love and mercy and grace and breaks down barriers and breaks down language barriers and race barriers and cultural barriers and and all of the obstacles that we have with each other, right? Why can't we do that, right? Why can't we do that? We can. It just is a matter of digging in. It's just a matter of you and me and all of us as a family together saying, hey, we're digging into this thing. We're devoting ourselves to this. Because the truth is, and we all know this in our hearts, that if we want real intimacy, right? If we want real results, if we want to experience real passion, if we want to make a real difference, then what we got to do is roll up our sleeves, pull out our shovels, lock arm in arm, and just start digging in. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, I I come before you with thankfulness in my heart, Lord, for your word. Your word guides us and leads us. Lord, I pray today that the words from your scripture uh, don't condemn us, don't, don't bring us guilt, don't bring us shame. They liberate us. They liberate us from the cycle of hope and despair, hope and despair, desire and disappointment. And they lead us, Lord, into the, the steps of devotion into the process of digging in, into the desire, Lord, to grow in you, to experience you more fully, to be captured by you, and for that flame that we experience in our heart after Easter to not die out, but to grow and to spread, and to spread in our home, and to spread in our schools, and to spread on our jobs, and to spread in our community, spread to our family and friends until the whole world gets to experience the love and the joy, the peace and the grace of knowing you. Father, I pray that you give us strength, courage, wisdom today to not turn away, to not fall away, to not flicker out, but Lord, to dig in to you, to devote ourselves wholly and completely to you, that you may receive all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.